Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about radiation oncology and the care of GI malignancies with Dr. Kevin Dew. Dr. Dew is an associate professor of therapeutic radiology at the Yale School of Medicine, where Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology. So, Kevin, maybe we can start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. Uh, sure. Uh, so I'm a radiation oncologist, and what I do is I uh, treat cancer patients with radiation and uh, work very closely together with uh, chemotherapy doctors, medical oncologists, uh, surgeons uh, to work together to uh, help to take care of patients. And I understand that your focus is in GI malignancies. Is that right? Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, so I treat uh, GI malignancies, as you said, and that really is uh, treating everything from the neck down throughout the digestive system. So that includes things like esophageal cancer, uh, stomach cancers, liver cancers, um, and uh, cancers of the uh, uh, of the colon, rectum, and uh, and uh, it, it really is a very fulfilling uh, thing to treat. Uh, there's uh, a huge uh, variety of uh, of uh, of uh, treatment approaches and it's uh, a great collaboration between all the different fields to uh, give patients the best outcomes so you know when we think about different cancers um, and we think about the different modalities with which they can be treated you know some cancers um, are treated primarily with one modality or two modalities um, some require all three modalities in terms of surgery, systemic therapy, and radiation. So, you know, can you talk to us a little bit more about the role that radiation plays in the various GI malignancies? Is it better suited to some than others? And how do you decide um, whether radiation therapy is in the cards for a given patient or not? Yeah, so I think there's two parts to that question. One is, when do we use radiation treatment uh, for GI malignancies? And then the other question is, you know, how do we make that decision in terms of, uh, uh, you know, when to use radiation and how do we combine that with other treatments? So the um, the 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 two the re reason why we may use radiation uh, for GI malignancies, I think of it as two. Um, broad uh, treatment paradigms. One is uh, in combination with other treatments like surgery or chemotherapy. And again, uh, we combine treatments to give patients the best uh, functional and curative outcomes for their cancers. Uh, and then the other uh, approach is really uh, using radiation alone, uh, either to um, what we'll give high doses of radiation uh, in what we call an ablative approach to control uh, cancer growth or uh, for palliation uh, in order to uh, help uh, alleviate symptoms of cancer uh, such a, uh, for, for patients. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think the 
approaches that we're using these days with improved technologies for radiation really has uh, allowed us to be uh, to to really um, formulate and uh, be able to deliver a, a broad range of treatment approaches uh, using radiation treatment. Um, so it's not really a, a one size fit all treatment. Um, the uh, in terms of when we may use radiation, uh, you know, it really is a, a multidisciplinary approach and it's a team effort. And that's really one of the really phenomenal things that I enjoy about treating gastrointestinal cancers is that every patient that we treat is really a, a, um, a, 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 a collaboration and a group discussion among really world experts here uh, in GI malignancies and figuring out the best combination of treatment approaches uh, for each patient. Um, in general, when we're talking about combining radiation treatment with chemotherapy, uh, surgery, you know, we're, we're talking about treating uh uh, patients with uh, where where maybe surgery alone isn't uh, enough uh, to cure patients, or in uh, in cases where uh, you know we're helping uh, with the chemotherapy to uh, improve the the uh, response of of, uh, of cancers. So when we think about uh, radiation treatment in that context, we think about using radiation in combination with surgery and chemotherapy um, in order to uh, give the best cure rates um, to reduce uh, the chances of the cancer coming back or to uh, pre preserve uh, the function of, of uh, quality of life and the organ function of, of patients. And so expand a little bit upon that because, you know, when we think about the digestive tract, um, you know, we we think about it kind of doing its job, but it's a little bit different than when we think about radiation therapy preserving function. So, for example... On this show, we've we've talked to a variety of experts on on various cancers, and for example, in head and neck cancer, we'll often use radiation therapy if we had a tumor that was very close to vocal cords or um, particular uh, anatomic structures that we did not want to surgically resect. In the GI tract, does that play a role, or is it more that you're trying to um, assist with surgery. So if you uh, don't get a clear margin and there's a concern that you've left some disease behind and you can't take more that you'd use radiation in that situation, tell us a little bit more about how you make those decisions. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's a really great example of the use of radiation in, in for head and neck cancers that you bring up. And, um, you know, I think uh, in GI cancers, we have an analogous situation, which I think frames uh, in, in how I think about the role of radiation treatment in GI cancers. And, and uh, you know, in, in the 1970s, uh, they, um, they, they actually first used uh, chemotherapy and radiation to cure uh, a, a type of uh, GI cancer called uh, can anal cancers. So these are cancers that developed in the in the anal canal. And before the 1970s, the the treatment, uh, the curative treatment, was actually uh, uh, surgery. And uh, because uh, this was in the anal canal with uh, anal the uh, muscles that control. Um, 
the uh, the sphincter function there and continence. Um, the uh, the surgery would would um, would would really be something which patients found debilitating. Um, uh, so you know, no one really. Uh, uh, no, no one really wanted to have this surgery, and and the, even the surgeons didn't like doing this surgery. So, uh, what they did in the 1970s was they actually started using chemotherapy and radiation uh, to uh, to try to shrink things down and help the surgery, as you're saying, um, to try to uh, spare those muscles and improve uh, sphincter function in these patients and improve continence in these patients. What they found was that actually. Actually, the majority of patients responded to chemotherapy and radiation, and uh, and, and actually the these uh, anal cancers uh, were largely cured with chemotherapy and radiation. Um, very similar to the situation you bring up in head and neck cancers, um, and really this became a huge paradigm shift uh, for. Uh, gastrointestinal cancers where there is this idea that potentially there's this subset of patients that where they may respond very well to chemotherapy radiation. And uh, you may actually uh, do what's called an organ preservation approach. Uh, these days, uh, this approach is, is actually um, being expanded out to other sites, um, you know, not, maybe not with as, as high a cure rate as uh, with anal cancer, but certainly uh, we're, we're trying to improve outcomes there and trying to improve response rates with chemotherapy radiation, trying to improve organ preservation rates with uh, chemotherapy radiation. Um, but uh, yes, I think that's uh, certainly something which the um, the the curative potential of combined chemotherapy radiation um, instead of surgery or together with surgery is certainly something that is a huge area of interest in our field. Um, what you allude to, though, is actually also a very important aspect, which is that there certainly are a lot of sites in the gastrointestinal tract which um, are very amenable uh, to surgery. And, and uh, really, if the surgeon can remove um, a tumor without uh, too much functional consequence, uh, you know, that becomes the primary treatment. And then uh, chemotherapy radiation are really used to help uh, help that surgery and to help uh, improve the the uh, the uh, cure rate, reduce the chance that the cancer comes back, uh, or you know, alternatively, uh, uh, get try to get things to to uh, shrink up to to optimize and get the best uh, surgery possible. So you know, it's interesting though if chemo radiation works so well in anal cancers, such that surgery may not even be really needed, and you can preserve sphincter function. You know, one wonders whether that could be the case for other malignancies. Why is it that people need to have surgery as the primary modality? Um, talk to us a little bit more about, you know, what is the thinking that goes into surgery being 
uh, a primary modality versus chemo radiation. Uh, one would think that the latter would be better tolerated potentially. Um, certainly nobody wants to go under the knife. It's a little bit scary. Um, but is there a difference in biology or is it um, really a bulk of disease? H- how do you kind of think about um, whether chemo radiation would work in other parts of the GI tract just as well as surgery like it does in the anal canal? Yeah, that that's a really excellent question. And uh, actually, that's what we debate a lot when we talk about that collaborative discussion that we have between uh, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation uh, on a, a you know a weekly or twice weekly or three times weekly basis as we all meet together and and discuss our patients. Um, it, it really is a discussion of what would be. Um, th- kind of the best uh, treatment modality or combination of treatments to give the patient the best uh, cure rates and best quality of life. Um, There are many instances where surgery is the appropriate treatment and the primary treatment in GI cancers. And, uh, you know, the the advantage of surgery, uh, you know, is that if you can remove the tumor and remove it with uh, safely and with a good quality of life after surgery, uh, that's a 100% chance that the cancer uh, is uh, removed and and gone. Uh, And that's a big advantage to surgery. the uh, chemotherapy and radiation, uh, you know, as much as I said that in anal cancers, the cure rate is excellent, uh, it, it's it's still not 100%. Um, and it's uh, even lower uh, in many other uh GI cancers in terms of the chance of having the cancer go away uh, with chemotherapy and radiation compared to surgery. And so uh, it's really an interesting uh, and really critical uh, issue, which is that uh, what what is the biology of the tumor? How does the biology respond to chemotherapy and radiation? Uh, what are the mechanisms of resistance? Uh, why do some cancers, like anal cancers, respond so well uh, so as to make surgery, you know, almost a, a almost a, a a secondary treatment uh, for for that cancer. Uh, you know, why does that respond so well compared to other cancers of the GI tract, um, where we make it certainly a, a certain percentage of patients cured, but but nowhere near as as high a cure rate. Um, you know, that's an act, area of active research and something that is really critical for my field in radiation, this idea that some cancers are more radio resistant uh, to, uh, to, um, to, to radiation and chemotherapy uh, treatments than, than others. And uh, trying to get at the answer of why that is, is really uh, very important, I think, to trying to uh, make sure that, again, we, we keep uh, uh, improving our treatments and improving our cure rates in patients. Great. Well, we're going to pick up this discussion right after we take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about radiation oncology and the care of GI malignancies with my guest, Dr. Kevin Dew. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers comes from Smilo Cancer Hospital. With an event focused on nutrition for cancer survivorship presented by the Smilo Cancer Care Center in Trumbull. April 14th, register at YaleCancerCenter.org or email canceranswers at yale.edu. Breast cancer is one of the most common cancers in women. 
In Connecticut alone, approximately 3,500 women will be diagnosed with breast cancer this year. But there is hope thanks to earlier detection, non-invasive treatments, and the development of novel therapies to fight breast cancer. Women should schedule a baseline mammogram beginning at age 40 or earlier if they have risk factors associated with the disease. With screening, early detection, and a healthy lifestyle, breast cancer can be defeated. Clinical trials are currently underway at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as Yale Cancer Center and its Milo Cancer Hospital, to make innovative new treatments available to patients. Digital breast tomosynthesis, or 3D mammography, is also transforming breast cancer screening by significantly reducing unnecessary procedures while picking up more cancers. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Kevin Dew. We're learning about radiation oncology in the care of GI malignancies. And Kevin, before the break, you left off with some really interesting and important questions, which were, you know, why is it that some cancers, uh, like those in the anal canal, for example, seem to be pretty radiosensitive and can be treated very well with chemotherapy and radiation, whereas other cancers, perhaps in other parts of the GI tract, um, are not so well treated with uh, chemo radiation alone. And for those cancers, surgery really is a primary modality. Um, any idea as to why the biology is different? When we think about the GI tract embryologically, it all comes from essentially one hollow tube, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So anatomically and embryologically, uh, that's absolutely correct. And uh, this is really interesting then. Why are some cancers what we call radio resistant and other cancers radio sensitive? You know, going back to your uh, uh, discussion of head and neck cancers, um, you know, head and neck cancers are, are very uh, radio sensitive, especially when they are HPV positive. Uh, this is a uh, virus that many people in the United States have uh, at some point in their life, and uh, it predisposes cancer formation. Uh, and, you know, it's an interesting thing where uh, even though it predisposes uh, cancer formation in uh, the head and neck and, and actually also in the anal canal, uh, that it, it actually is a characteristic that makes um, uh, these cancers more sensitive to radiation. It's kind of interesting to think about why, you know, a virus which may predispose formation of cancer may also make the cancer more sensitive to radiation. And, and one thing to think about is potentially, you know, even though this virus is maybe doing something it shouldn't in the body, that it also kind of sets up a, an immunologic uh, environment uh, where uh, the, the radiation actually has a different effect in different uh, immune uh, tumor uh, microenvironments. That is, that the uh, immune state, the uh, makeup of you know immune cells that are in uh, a tumor, or that how your immune system reacts to the tumor, uh, may actually impact uh, radio uh, uh, sensitivity or the response to radiation. And and this has been really um, studied 
quite a bit in recent years in with the uh, explosion of immunotherapies and and uh, that that have really uh, been revolutionized cancer care in the past uh, few years the um going to going to something a tumor which is very radio resistant uh, pancreas tumors for example uh, we do think that the uh, that re- that surgery is critically important in the cure of pancreas cancers and and really um, one of the only ways to to address uh, and and get rid of pancreas cancer uh, and you know if you look at the pancreas cancer uh, tumor microenvironment uh, as uh, as as we have in in our research it actually is is kind of a, an, an immunosuppressive uh, environment or an immune desert um, and in fact if you actually uh, use any of the immunotherapies to to try to change up the tumor microenvironment and change the immune cell makeup of uh, pancreas tumors, you can actually, in some cases, get a better response uh, with radiation treatment. And and uh, and uh, we've actually uh, done some clinical trials looking at this, uh, which are ongoing at the moment. That's really interesting. And so, in terms of anal cancers, have you noticed a difference in a in uh, the radiosensitivity of tumors based on whether they are HPV related or not? Uh, yes. So actually, uh, as you uh, as you're correctly uh, um, uh, saying that HPV negative tumors, that is tumors that are not associated with HPV, are actually more uh, radio resistant than HPV positive tumors. And, and that's actually an interesting finding, even though we still use chemotherapy and radiation and are uh, able to cure in many cases uh, anal cancer regardless of whether or not HPV has been involved in their formation that is if they're HPV positive or HIV negative um, in fact you know we think that HPV positive anal cancers are are, are so sensitive to radiation that uh, for early stage HPV positive cancers we are even looking at uh, potentially a dose de-escalating and, and reducing the dose of radiation in order to try to reduce radiation exposure and reduce some of the side effects associated with uh, uh, chemotherapy radiation treatment. Now, the other point that you made uh, before the break um, was that for some cancers where surgery plays a primary role, it it really can remove the cancer. But just to clarify one of the, the things that you said, which was that, that that really can kind of get rid of the cancer. And yet we know that some of these cancers come back. So can you talk about the role of radiation kind of as a belt and suspenders approach to these cancers in preventing some of them from coming back? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's actually another really good example of how we use radiation treatment. And a, a classic example of that is if we go, you know, a little bit higher up in the GI tract um, into the uh, rectum, which is the part of the uh, colon that is in the uh, pelvis. And, um, you know, where we use radiation to support uh, surgery is, is in rectal cancers. And, um, you know, Biologically, you know, as as you were saying earlier, you know, the 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 colon is actually biologically the same as the rectum. It's all part of the large bowel, you know, part of the gut, uh, and 
the difference between colon cancers, uh, which are above the pelvis, and then rectal cancers, which are, is part of the colon that's in the pelvis, is is that uh, in the uh, in the colon, which is outside of the bony pelvis, you know, there's a lot of room uh, and a lot of uh, space for surgeons to remove the uh, the cancer, and they're really able to take out colon cancers with clear margins, you know, lots of space in between the tumor and normal tissue. And uh, in for colon cancers, we actually very rarely, if ever, use radiation treatment uh, because surgeons are able to get such wide clearance with surgery. Um, however, in the pelvis, uh, the, the pelvis is more limited. It's a smaller space. And um, the, the margins or the clearance that the surgeons can get with their surgery is also uh, less. And, and so there is a higher chance, despite colon cancers being very similar biologically to rectal cancers, because of the space issues, there's a higher chance uh, that the cancer can come back uh, when it's in the rectum, in the pelvis. And and we routinely would use radiation to clean up after these smaller margins uh, and, and reduce the chance of the cancer coming back. So that's an example of how we use radiation, as you said, to, to help support surgery. Now, before the break, uh, you had also mentioned that there are a variety of other reasons why we use radiation in the care of patients with GI malignancies. And one of the things that you mentioned was ablation. So can you talk to us a little bit about what exactly is ablation and how and where do you use it? Yeah, so ablation, ablation when I said ablation, I was referring to a uh, type of radiation treatment called uh, stereotactic radiation treatment. And uh, this is actually a, a technique of radiation where we give high doses of radiation very, very precisely to um Tumors, and so uh, it's something which has only recently, in the past, I would say, twenty years or so, been really well developed uh, for our, for radiation treatments with the um, with the uh, really um, huge advancements in radiology, diagnostic radiology, really having good uh, CT scan or MRI scan imaging to really very clearly define tumors uh, in a very precise way. And we use these images together with, uh, with um, very complex treatment planning approaches to uh, aim very carefully at uh, tumors. So with these techniques and with this precision treatment, we can actually give much higher doses of radiation treatment to tumors while making sure that we keep the surrounding normal tissue to safe doses. Uh, where this is developed is that uh, we now think and that we can actually give high doses of radiation and get uh, very good uh, control of the growth of tumors, uh, what we call ablation. In some cases, in some locations, um, you know, again, uh, we think that the outcomes can be similar uh, to surgery. Um, you know, this is something where, again, uh, you know, surgery probably still has the advantage in that if something can be safely taken out and it makes sense to take it out, that probably it should be taken out. But if there's any discussion about um, how, you know, the patient may handle uh, having surgery or uh, whether or not 
it, it may not be uh, in the right position, uh, the proper place in the body to, to remove it surgically, that uh, the stereotactic ablation uh, technique with radiation treatment can be a good substitute for surgery. The indications for using it are, one, uh, potentially to uh, ablate uh, early stage disease. Um, you know, we are starting to use this. I mentioned uh, pancreas cancer. You know, we're starting to use this more and more in pancreas cancer where we think because pancreas cancer is a uh, radio-resistant uh, type of cancer uh, that uh, higher doses of radiation actually can get good uh, control of the cancer, even though we, we don't think of it as as good as surgery yet. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that we are doing some clinical trials to see how we can improve uh, radiation treatment, uh, potentially with the combination of immunotherapies. Um, and then in addition, the other uh, indication for uh, stereotactic ablative treatment may be potentially in, in patients uh, where for example, maybe the cancer has spread uh, and they're on uh, systemic therapies uh, and uh, they may have just a spot or uh, of cancer that's escaped from the chemotherapy. It's developed changes where uh, they may actually uh, be growing through the chemotherapy treatment. Uh, and we can actually use uh, stereotactic ablative radiation uh, to get those spots under control uh, for patients. Dr. Kevin Dew is an Associate Professor of Therapeutic Radiology at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital.